Welcome to this message from Shofar Christian Church. May you experience God's grace as you listen to His Word being preached. So you can turn to Luke chapter 8, and I picked the Bible with the smallest font ever. Passage I think many of us know, know really well, and a passage that over the last few weeks and months I've really been thinking about a lot. Thinking about how just God works in our, our lives differently and how when we embrace and engage the way that He chooses to work with us, how, how we just respond so much better. How sometimes we kick against what God is doing in our lives. It's interesting for me because it's one of those passages in Scripture that for the longest time I didn't understand until I got a dictionary. Because you know Paul at one stage is on his way to Damascus. And he's going there with a letter from the chief priest and he's going to go and persecute all of the Christians. He just wants to see Christians thrown in jail because that's what he's living for right now. He sees them as heretics against what he comes to know is the truth. And something that I so admire about Paul is that he didn't suddenly become passionate when he got saved. He was passionate. He was passionate before he was saved, before he met Jesus. And... He was passionately seeking God. I really believe that because he was committed to the Scriptures. And in that one day, he has this moment where he gets knocked off his horse or his donkey or whatever, and he's lying on the ground. And then he says, Who are you, Lord? Which is sort of a good thing to do when you're lying on your back and there's this bright light shining up from heaven. And Who are you, Lord? I don't know who you are, but I know you're Lord. He says, I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. And this isn't in the Bible, but I kind of, every time I read that, I've got a little subscript that falls in there. Oops. <laughs> I am Jesus, whom you are persecuting. It is hard for you to kick against the goads. And I always used to read and I think, wow, that is really profound, but I had no clue what it meant. <laughs> How many of you know what it means to kick against the goads? Two of us. Well done. I'm proud of you guys because you found a dictionary somewhere. A goat is a cattle prod. It is hard for you to kick against the cattle prod. A couple of years ago, I was visiting a friend in near Malalan, and we went rhino boxing. Then, if you guys have ever been rhino boxing, it's a little bit different to human boxing. We went and was, they've got this lion in uh, not lion rhino this rhino and rhino in a, a cage. But cage is a bit of an exaggeration. It's not the right word because it's quite a big piece of land where this rhino is in. We went and we found the rhino and the helicopter was there and darted the rhino. And then you go in with the truck and the rhino is like staggering a little bit and kind of the vet checks that the rhino isn't sick or anything. And then you have to start waking up the rhino again. But the rhino's got a blindfold on by this stage. And the idea is you've got to get the rhino in the box. That's why it's rhino boxing. But now you've got this big rhino that's drunk and half-drugged standing up, and now you've got a problem. How do you move a rhino standing over here into a box on a trailer of a truck over there with a cattle prod? <laughs> a big electronic shocking thing. And the rhino is so hard, you so skin is so thick, you can see it. It's not a hurt or whatever, but it's enough just to get him like walking a little bit in the direction that you want him to go. 
God comes to, to Paul and he says, Paul, you've got this cattle prod driving you into a direction. How long are you going to keep kicking against it? How long are you going to keep kicking against my purposes for your life? In that moment, Paul's life turns upside down. I wonder in our lives how often we're kicking against the goats. How often the Holy Spirit is leading us in a direction and we're using all of our energy to kick against these cattle prods. God's looking over your life and He's saying, it is hard for you to kick against the goats. It's a lot easier just to walk in the direction the guy with the cattle prod wants you to walk than to go in a different direction. And when we learn to embrace the ways, the way God works in our life, I believe we just make life a lot easier for ourselves and save ourselves a lot of heartache and pain along the way. But there's this really cool passage that we probably know really well. I'm going to read for us from Luke chapter 8, verse 4. One day Jesus told a story in the form of a parable. And I feel like speaking tonight, but I'll be, I'll be quick. To a large crowd that had gathered from many towns to hear him. A farmer went out to plant his seed. This is Jesus telling the story now. As he scattered it across his field, some seed fell on a footpath where it was stepped on and the birds ate it. Other seed fell among rocks and it began to grow, but the plant soon wilted and died for lack of moisture. Other seed fell among thorns that grew up with it and choked out the tender plant. Still other seed fell on fertile soil. The seed grew and produced a crop that was a hundred times as much as had been planted. When he had said this, he called out, anyone with ears to hear should listen and understand. A couple of verses, then the disciples come and they say, Jesus, you tell us all these real weird stories that we don't really understand. Why don't you just say what you want to say? It's just easier for everyone when you do that. So Jesus says, okay, I'll tell you what this means. This is the meaning of the parable from verse 11. The seed is God's word. I love God's word. I love speaking God's word. I love reading God's word. I often find myself just, it's weird how it happens in life, how you go through times and seasons where you don't really get to God's word. I don't know if you've noticed, but you know when your life gets really, really busy? Maybe not your lives, but my life. You know the first thing that leaves my life is God's word. My commitment to just studying the Word, spending time in the Word. And I've learned just kind of that's a big red light for me when I'm not reading God's Word. I know I'm too busy. I need to slow down and move some stuff out of my life. So really cool. Twitter is an amazing thing, isn't it? You can just you learn so much wisdom, and it's memorable wisdom as well. Because it's not these long messages that you've got to kind of read and get to the end of it and figure out what's the guy trying to say. It's like really short and sweet and to the point. And one of those tweets that's kind of just found itself into my heart and stayed there for a long time is by, man, many of us know Louis Giglio. And a really cool tweet, it simply says this, you always have time for the things you do first. Isn't that cool? You always have time for the things you do first. Imagine if we make God's word first. We'd always have time for it. farmer went out to plant his seed where we know wrong section here we go the seed is god's word obviously as he's explaining this i i want us to think about it in two ways many of us here we're going out and we're planting seed 
We're investing seed. We're throwing seed. We're hoping for it to grow in the people around us' lives. Just what you're doing here is seed that we're sowing into a church plant. I'm so excited about this. As I, I walked in here, I was reminded a little bit. How many of you guys were there in the first couple of months when you started church for Johannesburg in Cedar Park? Just a handful of you. He's on and three or four of you guys. As I walked in here, I got a little bit of that same feeling. And I remember being there a couple of times and there 20 or 30 people in Cedar Park, this beautiful conference venue, which is just, if my bearings are semi-right, a little bit that way. And just something so beautiful and precious in those, those first few moments of planting seed and seeing those seeds spring up and germinate and begin to grow. What you guys doing here is really, really amazing. I know it's hard work and... You're putting much into it, but it's worth it. The seeds that fell on the footpath represent the, those who hear the message, only to have the devil come and take, away, take it away from their hearts and prevent them from believing and being saved. Don't have time to get into this too much, except that for those whose lives you're investing seed into, don't neglect praying over the seed. It is so important that we pray, that we say, Holy Spirit, would you cause that seed to land in good soil, to keep it away from birds that want to come and eat that seed. Lord, don't let anything steal that seed. And sometimes we need to watch over that seed. Sometimes we need to, if we've spent time with someone invested into their lives, make sure that we're staying in contact with them, that a friend isn't coming and, Saying, no, don't do that. Who does something so foolish? This is the way we do it. We go and punch people when we're upset with them. Maybe you just said, hey, let, let's take the way of peace. Pray for your friend. Love you. Bless them. Go and buy them a burger and tell them that you really care for them. Silly example, but a powerful principle of watching over the seed. The devil comes and takes it away from their hearts and presents them from, prevents them from believing and being saved. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message and receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. I'm always a little bit nervous about people who come to faith, come to Jesus, and they're just a little bit too excited at the beginning. It's not wrong. I want them to be excited. I want to fan that flame, but I'm a little bit nervous because... This parable is in the back of my mind. I'm saying, hey, it's one thing to be very joyous, to receive it with joy. But I want to encourage you here, perhaps if you're new in the faith, young in the faith, the number one thing that you need to be praying over your own life right now is, God, would you help me to develop roots? God, I need roots in my life. Planted seed. If there was a season in my life where I literally, literally watched the grass grow, Come home every day after work, and I'd watch my grass. Has it grown a little bit? Because there was this big chunk in my backyard that I took paving out of, and I needed to put grass in, and buying kind of grown grass is expensive. Buying seed is a lot cheaper. It's a bit more work, but anyway, I put the seed there, and then every day after work, you come home, and you're like, has it grown? <laughs> Wake up in the next morning and there's this little bit of green. You're like, yes, it's growing. And you make sure that the sprinklers are right. And eventually after a, a while, the grass had filled out nicely. And as I was reading kind of how do you make this grass grow right, 
says it comes a stage and we're in towards winter where you deliberately have to give it less water. And I want my grass to stay green. They say, but you know, if you do that, you're damaging your grass. Because your grass never develops. If, it grew, if it's always got water and the water is always closely and readily accessible, it never goes through a time of shooting roots down, which will cause it to grow healthier and stronger at later periods when frost and that time times come. The grass is in a much better position to recover in the future a lot quicker. You know, sometimes God does the same with us. That He takes us through a time where it doesn't feel like He's watering us so much right now. At the beginning we come to faith and it's boom, it's amazing. There's water all the time. It's just the Holy Spirit is there and He's speaking to us. And then there's a time when it's almost like He closes off the sprinkler system a little bit. He says, dig into the word and develop some roots. Develop roots, grow roots, grow strong. In the bit that I want us just to spend a few moments really thinking on this evening. The seeds on the rocky soil represent those who hear the message, receive it with joy. But since they don't have deep roots, they believe for a while, then they fall away when they face temptation. And here we go, verse 14. Watch this. The seeds that fell among the thorns. Represent those who hear the message, but all too quickly the message is crowded out by the cares and riches and pleasures of this life. And then this verse, that, not even a verse, this part of a verse, this phrase, sentence that just gets me every time I read it. And so they never grow into maturity. And so they never grow into maturity. We'll get back to that in a moment. I just want to finish off just for completion. The seeds that fell on the good soil represent honest, good-hearted people. That's all of you guys who hear God's word, cling to it, and patiently. Maybe you should go and read that when you get home tonight. <laughs> patiently produce a huge harvest. I believe that that is God's purpose for every single one of us, that He wants us to patiently produce a huge harvest. I believe He is that good Father that looks over you and over me, and He says, I want you to prosper in everything that you do. In everything that you do, I want you to prosper. And yet there's this warning that He gives us just before that. And so they never grow into maturity. You see, sometimes we see the, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. We, we see these things that wrestle for the affection of our hearts. We see them as, oh, they're okay, but they're not that bad. Yeah, it, it's worldly things, but it's, yeah, it's not anti-God either, so it can't be that bad. And in a sense, it's not perhaps evil, but I this evening want us just to, to think for a moment and perhaps in this week walk around with this question before the Holy Spirit and asking a simple question, Holy Spirit, is there anything that is choking my growth? Because for me, one of the saddest things would be in your life is you have the word, you receive the word. But some weed grows alongside. You know, when I had those planted the grass, there's some weed that grows alongside that grass. 
Some birds come and they do their thing and they deposit seeds that I didn't really want there. Some weeds grow alongside it. You know, from time to time, I need to go through a de-weeding exercise. Either mechanically get down on your hands and knees and take it out. And I, I did that at the previous house where I stayed. And then one day I went to a, I almost said a pharmacy. It's not quite a pharmacy, but it could be a pharmacy for plants. I went to a nursery and they said, you're making a heck of a lot of work for yourself. Why didn't you take this stuff? And they're different brands, but the one brand's name that I really like is Super Lawn Weeder. <laughs> and you just spray that stuff all over your grass and the grass keeps growing and the weeds all die. It's amazing stuff. But you know, sometimes we need to say, God, don't you want to come and pour some Super Lawn Weeder over my life? Because there's some weeds that are growing on fertile soil and seed that gets planted in me grows. But there's some seeds perhaps in me that have been planted that shouldn't be there. And I like that. You know, sometimes you, my kids love some of the weeds that grow in our garden. Because some of the weeds have some of the, they grow really quickly and they've got these flowers that almost look pretty. But they're not flowers. They're like little beds of disaster. Because then the kids pick them up and they run around with them. And then they spread them. And then they grow again. And before you know it, your whole bedding is taken over by the weeds. And they choke out the growth that you really want. This evening, my way of encouragement, I want to hold before us just a simple message. That God is looking over your life and He says He wants you to prosper. He wants you to grow. He wants you to come to maturity. But as much as He wants you to come to maturity, He has to have our, our I almost said appreciation. This is where my language, Afrikaans, my mom always said, many languages mix, you're going to have it for it, but then you can prevent it. <laughs> he has to have our, our cooperation. I want us to, to go in this week with the word and say, God, what are the areas, if any, in my life that are stealing my road to maturity? He highlights a couple here. He calls them cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. The cares of this life. I love the word it says to us in Peter, cast your cares upon him because he cares for you. He cares for you. Now, as we read Scripture in Matthew 6.33 and all those passages, seek first the kingdom of God and His righteousness. I'd encourage you to go read Matthew 6, the whole of it. Don't start with Matthew 6.33. We read Matthew 6.33 and we think a little bit. It's almost like God saying, oh, don't worry about eating or drinking. And, you know, it's not important. That's not what He's saying. If you read the whole of Matthew 6, you'll see it is important. But it's not important for you to worry about it because He's worrying about it. He's taking care of it. He's thinking through those things for us. What He does want us to concern ourselves with is His kingdom here on the earth. Please don't misunderstand me. Don't misquote me. I'm not saying don't have good financial stewardship. I'm not saying don't think and pray well around your finances. But there's a difference between stewarding something and worrying about it. The one is where it's gripped your heart and it's stealing your, your peace. 
your ability to pursue God's kingdom. How do I know if it's gripped my heart? Well, do I make my decision based upon my finances or do I make my decision based upon Christ? We've got a bunch of students with us and I always say this to them towards kind of as we head towards the end of the year. So I'm going to be saying it a lot to our Pretoria guys who are visiting. Final year. Studies. Next year I get to work. But there's a problem. I first have to get work. So now I've got all of this, except if you're a doctor, then you're sorted. Now I've, I've got to go and figure out where am I going to work and I've got to get job interviews and all of those things. And I get them and perhaps if I've studied really well and I've done well in the interviews, maybe there are two or three or four job offers on my table. So how do I decide which one I'm going to take? Well, it's pretty easy. I put them in order of biggest salary first. I pick that. And I always say to them these same words, and they're hard words, but they're true words. You're welcome to do it that way. But if you do it that way, you can know one thing. You are not serving Jesus. Because Scripture says you cannot serve God and mammon. You see, if we're making our decision based solely upon the financial implications of it, then we're not following Christ. I'm not saying Christ can't lead you to use the one. I'm not saying throw out the one necessarily with a higher salary. I'm just saying that should not be what you decide on. It should be, God, where do you want me to go and make a difference? Sometimes our students are happy to do that. Yeah, yeah, that's fine. I'll take the one with the lowest salary because God knows the plans that He has for me and He knows this company in three or four years this company is really going to grow and then I'm going to end up making more than I would have if I'd gone to the company with them. I'm still serving mammon. God, where is the company? Where are the people? Where is the community that you want me to go and make a difference? And you will take care of the rest. The cares of this world. I've got three kids and you won't relate because you're not fathers. There may be some moms here. You can relate. But you know, there's some cares in this world that you begin to think of and you begin to think, God, how am I going to care for my kids? And we should care for our kids. It's important to care for our kids. But when it starts gripping my heart, then God's saying to me, Philip, be anxious for nothing. Don't let that crowd out. Don't let that thorny, weedy thing grow inside of you because it's stealing the maturity that I want you to grow into. The pleasures of this life. That's an easy one. All of the joys and the fun and the things that look so nice to us. Oh, that flower looks really nice. No, it's not a flower. It's a weed and that thing is seeds and if you knock it, you're in trouble. Because then there's a whole bunch more weeds that are going to spring up from that weed. I want to encourage us with a simple passage here. I want to read that again and then we'll read the next word. All too quickly, the message, the seed that which God is saying to us is crowded out by the cares, riches, and pleasures of this life. And so they, that's you and me, if we allow those weeds to grow, never grow into maturity. Some of us need to leave here and say, Holy Spirit, that weed, I like it, but take it. That sounded really bad. That weed, I like it. But anyway... Those weeds that are growing in my life, Holy Spirit, you need to remove them. Some of us need to go say, Holy Spirit, if there are any weeds, would you show me? And then would you do me the grace of removing them? You know, sometimes when you pull out the weeds, some of the grass comes up with the weeds. You're like, oh, I want that patch back and it's just not going to grow again. That's okay. Trust God. 
to show you the weeds. What I want us to see this evening is sometimes we allow those weeds in our lives and we don't think they're such a big deal. I want you to see that tolerating them is going to steal your maturity. As I was praying for us, I got two verses that kind of don't really make sense together, but the one was this bit here and the other one is in Exodus, all over Exodus. Exodus 7, Exodus 8, Exodus 9, Exodus 10. The same verse basically appears in all of them. I think I've got Exodus 8 up there. Verse 1. I really believe God wanted to say this and speak this as a word of deliverance over some of our lives. That there have perhaps are some weeds that are growing in you and perhaps some of those weeds are creeper weeds. I had a creeper weed in my previous home. In the tree. It climbs in the tree and sticks the tree and it twirls it around the tree and it's just it's almost harder. It's easier just to chop down the tree than to get the weed out of the tree. It's become so grown in, they grown learned, begun to grow so parallel and it's a parasite. So it latches on and as it grows, it just sucks the life out of the tree that you want to grow in. All that grows is the weed. I don't know who you are, I don't know where you are, most of you I really don't know that well. But as I was praying for you, I felt God was saying that for some of us, there are some weeds that we don't know. We know they're there. We know they're not meant to be there, but we just cannot see any way how to get out of there. I felt God wants us to just read this as a word of deliverance over you. The Lord said to Moses, go back to Pharaoh. Pharaoh is in charge, enslaved, whatever the word is, of the whole Israelite nation. They're in bondage to him. And God's beginning to show himself strong. And in Exodus 7, he says this. Exodus 8, he says this. Exodus 9, he says it. Exodus 10, he says the same thing over. And I believe God wants to say this over some of our lives. This is what the Lord says. Let my people go so they can worship me. God wants to say to you that he's about to show himself strong on your behalf. He's going to cause some stuff to fall off you. He's going to cause an intervention in your life. And tonight we're going to pray for some of you. I just say to some of us tonight, we need just God to come and to cut some things off. He needs to set me free. Because you know, when you're a slave in Egypt, as the Israel people, there is no ways you are leaving there without God doing something miraculous. Some of us, we found ourselves in a place where we can say, there is no ways I am leaving here. Unless God does something miraculous. But he wants you to know that he's not just calling you out so you can be free. That's a big part of it. He's calling you out so you can be free to worship. You see, the end goal is not your freedom. The end goal is his worship. If you are just free and you don't worship it doesn't translate into worship, then there's no difference between whether you're free or whether you're bound. You see, if you're an Israelite under Pharaoh, whether you're worshiping here in wherever you are in Egypt, or whether you sorry, whether you're not worshiping here and God sets you free and you're not worshiping the air there, it doesn't really make a difference. The point is that the maturity comes. The life comes, the growth comes when we embrace with God's purpose for us to worship. 
By worship, obviously, I don't just mean singing. Singing is a great expression of worship, but singing isn't worship. They're not the same thing. It's an expression of it. Worship, do you know the most precious type of worship, I believe, before the eyes of God, is tomorrow morning when you wake up and you're confronted with that really difficult situation in your family or at work or whatever it may be, and you choose to make much of God in that moment. That's worship. Far more than raising your hands here. Raising our hands here and singing the truth gives us the strength to do it tomorrow morning. And that's one of the reasons why we always do it. It brings us to the place where we connect with God. So we can go from here and we can live it out. But if our, our worship, our raising our hands, our jumping and our dancing doesn't translate into what happens down there tomorrow morning, we're missing something about God's purposes for our life. You see, He brings freedom and God is going to bring freedom into our hearts into our lives. He wants to set you free so that you can learn to worship. Set my people free. Let them go so that they may worship. I believe God's wanting to say that over some of our lives, that those weeds, those things that have been growing in your life, He's going to set you free to enable you to worship. Can we stand together this evening? I want to pray over all of us. I'm going to ask the band if they can continue. Just lead us in a time of song again. That would be really amazing. And as they do that this evening, the Holy Spirit has been speaking in some of your hearts. And we want to pray with you. You see, we can't solve your problem. I can't set you free. I'd love to. I can't. But Jesus can. We want to pray with you. We want to ask Him that He would come and intervene, that He would be that perfect gardener, that He would come and de-weed your lawn so that you may grow to maturity. So Lord Jesus, You are so awesome, God. Lord, You really are amazingly, amazingly awesome. And thank You tonight, God. I just want to speak over every heart here. Lord, even I sense, Lord, there are some here tonight who doubt Your heart towards them. Jesus, thank you that right now you come and remove that weed from their hearts, Lord God. That weed that causes them to doubt your character, to doubt your goodness, Lord. To doubt that you are for them, Lord God. To doubt that you want them to prosper in all things and be in health even as their souls prosper, Lord God. That even as Stefan testified where he was in a confused space at time God you came to restore and to redeem in the most powerful of ways and you want to do that over every single life here God thank you for the power of redemption to flow over every heart every life Jesus thank you Lord and Lord as we welcome you as our father on this father's day we want to join in that prayer that Jesus prayed and we say our father Thank you that we can pray that, Lord. Jesus, thank you that tonight you come and you want to bring fertilizer. Just since he wants to say that as well, he wants to bring fertilizer to our gardens. But before he can add the fertilizer, he needs to remove the weed. Because otherwise the weeds will grow strong and they will crowd out the plants of the seeds that we have sown. Jesus, we ask that by your grace and in your love, you come and you remove those weeds, Lord. 
open our eyes that we may see them, God. We don't want to run the ways of the world. We don't want to judge the way the world judges, Lord God. We don't want to value what the world values. We don't want to run after the cares, the worries, Lord God, the riches, the pleasures of this life. Jesus, would you deliver us from those? Would you set us free that we may worship you, Lord God? We want to worship you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to this message from Shofar Johannesburg. May the grace you receive produce God's greatest glory and your greatest good. For more information and sermons, please visit our website at www dot